This is Rebooting the News number 93 with Jay Rosen and Dave Weiner. Good afternoon, everyone, from New York City. Dave. I'll be right with you as soon as I'm ready. <laughs> I can't do both things at the same time. Because if I start talking to the mic right now, you're not going to like what you hear. <laughs> okay, so let's turn... Okay, I'll just do that. How's that? Did that work? That was like very non-technical. <laughs> Hi. Hi, I'm Dave Weiner. <laughs> Welcome to Rebooting the News from the North American continent. We're not broadcast po- pros, but we improvise where necessary. We like to think we do. And Dave, you're just back from Amsterdam. Well, not just back, but back. Back from Amsterdam. Still, still a little bit jet lagged. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. So that clowns is just back. Yeah. And uh, tell us where you were and what you were doing there. Well, I was in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. As you correctly noted, I was there just to enjoy the festivities of Queen's Day. Um, which is on it's not true. I went there for <laughs> Le Next Web, which uh-huh. is not the, which is Le not Next act, Web. Le Next Web, Le which is a, w- a little dig at my good friend Loïc Lemur, who mm-hmm. has a conference called Le, Le Web, Web, right? Yes. And this is not Le Web, but this is Le Next Web. Yeah, and a conference he's never invited me to. No, and they don't go to each other's conferences. Uh-huh. You know that it's really weird. I noticed that it's like, well, these guys. You know, the next web. Um, they're sort of go getters, you know, business types. Um, and I think they're I think they're going places and they put on a really good show. What was the nature of your participation? <clears throat> well, I went to Amsterdam to talk publicly for the first time about Blork. Really? Yes. Oh. Yes, this was so my, let's get the report. This was That's my trial run. This uh-huh. was like sort of let's see what happens when I sort of get up there on stage and tell everybody what we're doing, you know? Right. And so you want to know what my I it's better than an elevator pitch, you know. You have to you have to have a memorable I hate that cliche, elevator yeah, it's, pitch. It really sucks. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's why I don't have an elevator pitch. Right. Um, but you have a, well, I a have, podcast explainer. I have a, I have a slogan. It's uh, it's Twitter without the company in the middle. Ah, I love that. Isn't that that's nice? That's good. In other words, you know what it is. It's familiar. Yeah. And it's, we're solving an important problem. You yeah. Know? And uh, so, and that much, and you know, the people that liked it the most. Well, who would you think of, I mean, it was a pretty good cross-section of the kind of people who come to a tech conference? Who I do you think, think the developers frustrated with working yeah. with these companies. Like Hold on, let me make the correct sound. Bing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's Microsoft. <laughs> no, no, they stole it from me. You don't know. I, it was my terminology. If, uh-huh. you, if you go back in the scripting news, you'd see that whenever we hit the moment of epiphany. Yeah, Bing, you do use I that. Yeah. Go and then the bing. Sopranos version is bada bing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it existed before that. Yeah. Um yeah, no, but sometimes if you really hit it, it wouldn't just be Bing. It would be Bing 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 Bing. Yeah. <laughs> it is like stretching it. Right. We have and a winner. It was nice. Uh you know, uh some people got angry and you, they, you know you know you're you're listening if they they get angry, right? Sure. And um, they want to know, well, why can't I use WordPress? And I said, sure, you can use WordPress. And why can't I use Tumblr? Tumblr is great. Use Tumblr. You know, my my point is let's spread it out. Let's not put it all through one little pipe because it's bad mm-hmm. for for our uh, ecology. Mm-hmm. So, and how um, was it received? Other than the well, few who I didn't got do a angry. demo, so I don't know. I mean, it, 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 you just talked. Yeah, I was no interviewed slides? by Boris. No, I don't do slides. You were interviewed. I was interviewed. Ah. Yeah. Um, and the 
I came up with a new metaphor too, which is always nice to have. You know, we talk about the river of news, and you're yep. sitting on the bank of the river, and you're watching the news flow by and everything. And this is that plus you're in a boat in the river, and you get to put things into the river. <laughs> so you're in. A, you can be in both places at the same uh-huh. time. You can be both reading and writing. Right. And the writing is you're putting like not big boats. You can you, know, you can put other boats in there. You're in a little boat. You can put boats. Yeah. Little, little boats in there. Like Central Park Lake, but the little yeah. boats. Yeah, a little paper yeah. boat type right. things, too. You know? And, uh, you know, so I, I, I learned a tremendous amount. That's what I hope to do. And, you know, predictably, the tech press, you know, since I don't buy any sponsorships and, you know, I can't get them into any big conferences and I'm not a billionaire, right. you know, they completely ignored it. Right. So, <laughs> that's why, you know, that's one of the advantages of being me is that um, – they the, they ignore your products and that allows you to build them slowly and organically. Yeah, which is very nice. Yeah, we could do a whole show about being ignored. Do you but have a you know what with you that? know what would happen to that particular podcast? <laughs> it <though>. would be <laughs> they'd pay a lot of attention to it. <laughs> they'd say, "Oh, there they go. This is why we ignore uh, them." I have, I have a lot of uh, tales of that. <laughs> do you really? Uh, but I uh, I can't complain. Yeah, I mean, eventually, you know, well, I it changes you, around. I noticed that you're. You, I think you're less ignored than I am, but that's not to say you're not ignored. <laughs> I've noticed that. I mean, like, uh, for example, I noticed that you're speaking at the PDF conference. Right? I am, yeah. Now, what would I have to do to get an invite to that? <laughs> yeah. I, you can't You've never one. spoken there? I, I thought you did once. I have spoken, but they, yeah. but they always... It, yeah, you were interviewed there once they put me by Mika, weren't you? terrible slot. You oh. know? They put me in, so, like, you'd have to... You know, first of all, I was competing with lunch and five other speakers. Yeah, yeah. I've done that too. That's yeah. this is personal democracy for me. Yeah. It's usually in June in New York City. Yeah, it's well, the I intersection mean, of tech. I don't feel media. Bad about it. Well, and it's politics. not really tech. That's the problem. It's well, like that's it's the intersection of tech, media, and politics. But they don't have any technical people talking there. They don't have any developers. Uh huh. I would be. That's that. I think is the fundamental reason why. Uh, you know, it's because. I tend to whatever you know. It's like the, if you look at the schedule, you don't see any people that develop technolo- technology there. All right, I'll check it out. Yeah, you won't see it. So you enjoyed yourself in Amsterdam, more or less. I mean, it's the I love Amsterdam. It's the 18th time I've been there. So. Yeah, I I think I it's mean, tremendous. Yeah, I, I love party with around. Scoble. My you know, I forgot how much I miss Scoble. Scoble's good. Buddy it's always good to reconnect with Scoble. Yeah, so that was fun. All right. So, uh, you said you learned a lot. What did you learn? Um. Hmm. Well, I, as I think of it, I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah. I. You know, it's when you get a little distance from it, and which is what I have now. It's kind of hard to regurgitate. That. Did you pick up any new members of the developer community? You know, people to maybe. join and maybe get maybe. involved. Maybe. Okay. Uh, you don't really find out about that right away. I mean, yeah. what happens is, you know, I mean, people, you know, make they say they're going to do things, and you know, but then you find out if they do. But our developer community is growing at a very nice rate. And um, so that's something to be happy about. Well, I'm using the tools. It's pretty normal for me now. Is it? It's working for what I'm doing with it. It's working pretty good. So it's taking the place of the tool that you were using before. Yes. Top Twits. And so you're, you're sort of over that hump. Correct. Let me ask you another question. What about the below-the-fold stuff? Do you look at the news at all or... Because there's two parts of the screen in both, right. right? Um, I glance at it. I let my eyes scan it. 
and if something jumps out, I look. But I don't, I don't focus on it too much. Okay. Yeah, I scan it. If there's anything that you want there in the way of improvements, you should speak up. Mean feeds to add or sure features to add. Whatever. Either one doesn't matter. Yeah. Or if it's something that doesn't fit into any category, you know, it's whatever occurs to you. If you think that there's something it could be doing better that would fit into, you know, that would be interesting. How can I get a groovy image on my top 40 twits page? Uh, you can edit the template for the page. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think I sent you a pointer for that. There's a you, – you should always in every software product that you use, you should at some point go explore the preferences. In yes. fact, you should do that frequently when you're starting up because right. yeah because the first time when you use it okay you don't like the first few times you use it the goal is to get it to work for you right yes and so the variables that you can screw with that's not the important thing the important thing is you know getting connection you know and, and, and getting having it to work part, right yeah. part of your workflow right but once it's part of your workflow then it's always a good idea to go back and yeah. adrian was nodding his head because he supports people and you know i've learned this over and over again is that uh Every time you look through the preferences of a product, there are things you don't understand, you know, and you know you don't worry about that. But then maybe the the it third can lead to discovery, the third or fourth time yeah. you go, you go, oh, I was wondering uh, if it did yeah. that, right? You know, and then I'm be pretty sure you get full control over the template. There, there's a page there where you can edit the text that the that the uh, that the content flows through, and so you can put graphics there. You can put introductory text you can do whatever you want okay yeah. wouldn't it be interesting if you could edit the preferences of people you know what would you who's <laughs> now okay so yeah that begs the question jay is now let's let's you know. hear who is that you would like to edit oh the i can think of a few people who's, who's start uh, with one preferences i like yeah. to <laughs> yeah well, you see you probably shouldn't have said that because i'm going to really press you on this now <laughs> who is it like uh, well let's say bill keller if i could edit um, mm, the preferences so that I don't get his uh, reflexive uh, anti-internet commentary, which I think doesn't do him or us any good. You know, that would improve How does that my make experience you feel? of... <laughs> How does that make you feel when you read his co internet commentary? Well, I respect Bill Keller a lot. Uh, what is it about I him that you respect? I think that he has managed the New York Times during a very challenging, difficult period of, of transition, and that despite some of his uh, snark and carp, he um, he's actually changed that institution, which is a very hard thing to do. However, part of the price for him of doing that has been that he, he feels a need to separate himself from the world of new media or digital hmm. thinking and when he is in that kind of a mood he just says a lot of stupid things that don't re reflect well on him or the times um, hmm. and he permits the times to say some pretty outrageous things like with that interview with Ariane in a few weeks ago uh, hmm. which was you know, just extraordinary in its hostility well, um, Felix Salmon had an interesting take yes, on that. Yes, yeah. yeah. Felix Salmon's column on Sunday, which was called um, The Arrogant... Hermit, hermit, hermetic, hermetic... He called it hermetically sealed. Sealed. And, yeah, you know, at, at first yeah. I had to... Th you know, you don't look at that word hermetic very often. Yeah. You know, and you think about hermetically sealed. And then you realize the root of the word is 
hermit. Yes. <laughs> it's a great one. Correct. Sorry, I just laughed too loud there. And yeah, it's his like, point it's is, a, is, a, is, a, is a important point to underline here, which is that the times, we're now, you know, 15 years into the online edition yeah. of the New York Times. It's, it's and they to get haven't over it. gotten to get it together enough to yeah. regularly link out. Right. To what they're talking about, and well, they also aren't even aware that Brian Stelter is there doing the a great job on Twitter. Well, they are aware of that. Well, but they didn't include it in their rep- recount. Of the, the ombudsman flow of isn't aware of it because yeah. the ombudsman is the ombudsman from 1998. Really, he just happens to be. Well, he's writing from 1998. Oh, I see. He just happens to be employed in 2011. <laughs> uh, They've perfected the time travel there. Yeah, it's time travel. That's why they call it the times. <laughs> <laughs> right. It is uh, not singular time. But it's, it's getting a, to be ridiculous. At first, the, when you would ask Times people about it, and I have, they would give you answers about the CMS, and, well, that was written for print. Uh, and other what was sorts written of for print? well, when you would ask them, well, how come this article doesn't have any links in it? It's oh, talking about things right, right, that right. are really important to link to because you're you're mentioning them, and if you're serving readers, you would be linking to them, and you would get these answers like either it's a CMS problem, right, or that was written for the print edition. That's why it doesn't have any links, as if that was some sort of explanation, mm-hmm. um, or we just didn't have time. But um, this is where Tom Evslin, who we who we both have read, uh, answers the conversation. He and in a post that he had on his blog, uh, same day as Felix Salmon's, he makes the following point, which I think is a good one: If we're going to pay papers for online access, we should expect good online practice to be followed. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. in other words, you're now saying that. This is a a premium product worth paying for online. You got to at least meet the standards of online practice that good bloggers follow. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then why are you asking us to to pay? And I think this this whole problem of linking out, which has never been seen as a priority at the times, and other papers are getting worse as well. They're all starting to automate links and and you'll find frequently with big news organizations that all the links go to their internal pages to topic pages mm-hmm. that are obviously auto-generated mm-hmm. uh, and that is inexcusable I mean that is almost like a deliberate attempt to set back common practice uh, and refuse to link out and there's it's it's puzzling because it doesn't serve users it doesn't help journalists adapt it it has almost no advantages that i can think of other than the short-sighted desire to trap people within a you know keep people on your page it's hard to be it's hard to revolutionize yourself you always keep snapping back it's human nature it happens all the time it happens in the tech industry yeah i mean you know there's a a lot of classic stories. I think it's what's happening at Google right now. Uh, you know, it happened at Microsoft in the early 90s. Right. Um, I think it happens at NYU. I mean, you know, you could argue all these arguments apply to any organization that's trying to adapt to the times that they're in. You know, and um, it's hard. It's yeah. hard to do that. I mean, <clears throat> on the other hand, the leaders 
the leadership at a personal level should be able to do this because uh, otherwise there's no hope of the organization ever turning. And Bill Keller being so self-indulgent uh, uh, only encourages stuff like that, you know. Tech industry is rife with things like that. Decisions like, for example, uh, the flip camera is one that, that puzzles. Do you know about that? I do, yeah. Yeah, I mean. Uh, what a strange announcement. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't know anything about the internal workings of a tech company, it would seem strange. But if you've ever been inside of one of them, uh, there are many explanations. You know, you could you could have lots of fantasies about this. I mean, my fantasy, as I was trying to puzzle it out, was, oh, I know what happened. They tried to do a deal with Apple, and Steve Jobs made killing the flip a condition on their deal with Apple because he felt it was too close to the iPhone. The flip camera was invented by and then killed by who again? I don't know the name of the guy. I mean, it was a company that was acquired by Cisco. Right, Cisco. Yeah. So originally it was an independent company, and it was acquired. Now, I can give you some facts, uh, you know, that that Cisco has, you know, the analysts, this is stuff I've read, that the analysts, uh, financial analysts, have told Cisco to focus on their core business and stop their uh, fantasies about being in the right. consumer products. Because the analysts have such a great track record. Well, yeah. but they, they you know, so people say, so well, smart. how could they walk away from $100 million in cash or, or value mm -hmm. or 200 or $300 million? And the answer is their stock fluctuates every day, every hour by that much money. Right. So, you know, when you're, when you're experiencing, you know, and, and honestly, a company like Cisco uh, is managed as if their product is the stock. Right. And so, you know, when and you look- And they are a huge company. They're an unbelievably large company. Yeah. And so uh, if the analysts are holding them hostage over this one product- Yeah, then, and it's an old story. Right. And, you know, and then they, there could be accounting reasons why, um, you know. So f all kinds of financial things come into play. And then don't forget, there's internal politics. Sure. Right, and people backstabbing each other and winning and losing, and that doesn't have anything to do with customers, you know. And that's who's left standing there bewildered for the customers. Well, that's a good transition to our next subject, which is the tech press and whether it actually serves users. And no, it doesn't. Whether there's an opening <laughs> always for a new kind of tech press. Well, this is a common discussion on this podcast. We've yeah, because the discussion. tech press is where technology and press come together. Um, but hmm. I would love to hear your take on what kind of tech press are we missing hmm. besides just simply one that maybe, you know, has fewer conflict of interest or something. I don't think we're actually missing anything. Um, I don't think we're missing it. I think that it's in a constant state of equilibrium. The, the tech press. And equilibrium. Equilibrium. I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, that and, and it hasn't been in equilibrium always, but once we had the web and blogs, it has been. And because what happens is, um, you know, visualize it as a pipe. And at one end of the pipe are the journalists that you can't trust because they're too deeply in bed with the industry that they're cover, they, they feel they have to be, um, or else they don't have access, uh, you know, they, they can't get the speakers they need at their conferences, they don't get the advertising, blah, 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 you know, <coughs> it's, 
you're familiar. You call that the Church of the Savvy, right? It's yeah, the same, the insiders. It's the same idea. Yeah, right? the insiders to the industry. So at the other end of the pipe, however, you have users who have learned that they can write reviews. Right. They can tell you whether a product really does what it's claiming to do. And, well, we know which are the more valuable reports, the ones all the way at the left, you know, the ones where it's real users writing about their experience with products. That's really all the value I think you need. I don't think there's anything else, you know, that is value. And so look at the cycle of TechCrunch, for example. And TechCrunch, I think, started in 2005. And there was one guy, Mike Arrington, who's a very gifted user. Mm-hmm. And um, and also turns out to his surprise, a gifted writer, mm-hmm. and um, though he's a lawyer and highly right, which isn't right. Lawyers have to be writers, and um, and he was highly interested in the the products, and so he decided to be open about his exploration of tech products, and lo and behold, his exploration turned out to be valuable to other people, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I think there's a constant supply of new newcomers who are willing to do that and you just have to know how to find them and uh and when you want to make a decision about products there's a lot of places to go for that kind of information the vendor politics stuff is always going to be conflicted you know how can you get accurate information about what's going on politically between vendors and inside of them there's no such thing as accurate information about that Mm -hmm. if you care about that then you're going with the extreme other end of the pipe the insiders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's entertaining and interesting in the Shakespearean or Dickensian or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That was a Dickensian was a, a concept in The Wire, if you watched. Did you like Oh, the, you yeah. love The Wire, right? Love is season not four. even strong enough. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. that. So Obsessed. you know about that, the season yeah. four with the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Oh, yeah. That was the worst season, in my opinion. But Why? I thought it was good. Uh, no, no, I thought that was the weakest. Where McNulty one. like uh, perpetuated this huge fraud on everybody. Yeah, uh, the fraud was cool, but I, 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 I just, I guess my requirements for realism yeah. in, the, in the newsroom were just too high for me to experience. Maybe it. it's the one place where you knew enough about it to know that, that yeah. it wasn't realistic Could in be. any aspect. Could well be. Yeah, but um, wouldn't there be an opening for? A kind of technology journalism that uh, avoids the weaknesses of the insider model that starts from a position of no free products, no no conferences where we have to get the big heavyweights of the industry on our panel so we speak their language. Mm-hmm. Um, no attempt to um, update you with industry gossip and... Um, therefore starts where the users start but applies to that perspective a great deal of knowledge and data about the industry as well as um, information gathering that a casual user maybe doesn't do you know like freedom of information requests looking at statements um, getting inside the industry not through the usual routes but through an outside in mm-hmm. approach and trying to hold this industry accountable to the users in a way that somebody just writing about their experience with shitty products can't do 
Don't you think there's an opening for that kind of tech press? What do you think? I mean, I do. I think it would be wonderful. I think but who's going to start that? Oh, I spoke to some people about it. Um, I've been talking about this to oh. various players in journalism, and I've been trying to illuminate for them what I consider to be a new opening for what is sometimes called accountability journalism. It's not the only institution. It would know. be lovely it to was, see that happen yeah. in tech. Tech has been fed a steady diet of adulation from the press. You know, it's like the yeah, putting it, it people lends on itself to hype because new products are always coming out. Well, it's not just that; is that people are inherently confused about it. You know, about the products and 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 reporters are um, very impressed with other people's money. Yeah, if you show up with a billion dollars, you know, you're you're not going to get questioned about certain things. Right. Remember with remember Consumer Reports and the iPhone and yeah. the antenna gate. Uh huh. Yeah, that, that would be well. You know, if <laughs> right? if if that something like that wants to get going, I'm going to be doing everything I can to help and get involved with it. I think it's wonderful. I would love to see it. I I don't, you know, I've sort of uh, given up on that. I guess, mm. you know, I mean, there are things that you, you know, this I is think a lot of people. This is one of the insights in of the Osama bin Laden thing is that you don't realize how much you've given up on. You know, I mean. And how heavily giving up on things has weighed on you, you know? Giving uh, up on what, for example? Well, for example, have giving up on them ever capturing Osama bin Laden. Oh, I hadn't, but I see what you mean. Well, yeah. I, you know, we forget about uh, you hadn't. In other words, it was something you woke up every morning thinking maybe today will be the day they get mm, Osama bin Laden. Well, not really, but so, I, I did think we'd get him eventually. Yeah. I think that, that, that people discounted the, the weight of that. There was a story I read on Corey Kessler's blog, um, embracing, embracing the Absurd. She's a friend of mine uh, from Berkeley, and this put a bunch of pieces together for me. She talks about um, about how her faucet had, her kitchen faucet had gotten very slow. Yes. And um, Every day a little bit slower. Right, and it turns out that there was gravel accumulating behind the filter. Uh-huh. Little pieces, one, you know, every week right. or so. And she didn't know anything about it, and eventually... You know, so somebody comes over and sees the rate and says, oh, it's really easy to fix this and unscrews the thing, knocks out the gravel, put the thing back in, turn the faucet on. Whoosh, yes. There's huge waterfall. Yes, I've had and, experiences And, and then she notices times. all aspects of her life feel better. Yeah. Because she was not aware how much this was weighing on her. Right. You know, and you're not, it, you get little incremental things that happen in your life and you don't, you're not aware of it. Right. So, you know, Osama bin Laden, you know, felt great. Why did it feel great? You know, him dying. Uh-huh. Sorry, I know that sounds weird. But, you know, there are certain levels of, of burning bridges, <laughs> you know, that if, that you burn enough bridges and you act like a nasty enough you know what? Yeah, people so are going to celebrate your death. Is certain number of people, and once you do a lot of that stuff, everybody celebrates sure, your death. Yeah, Except practically the entire world. Yeah, I know. And yeah. I think the people who say that that we ought to have put him on trial and whatever, I think, I think there's always got to be a certain scale. Is there something you can do that? I'm sorry. At that point, the you know right to a fair and 
the speedy trial and everything yeah, I of don't your think peers applies. It yeah, doesn't I don't apply think there's to you. much to argue with there. Uh-uh. Yeah. Um, but back to your gravel right. example, which I think is interesting. This poses well, no, but you understand the connection is like you know I've been in the tech industry for my basically my entire adult life, right? Yes. And I got used to a certain right. level of feeding at the trough, right? And you know compromising. I don't do it myself, but I expect other people to be doing it. I don't expect a lot from them because I know they're doing that, right? Right. Now, all of a sudden, there's a, if there is a possibility of setting up some system which takes a very dispassionate view of these tech guys, you right. know, like, for you know, Stephen Levy will always write a book that just like it puts these guys on these pedestals and makes them out to be heroes. And you'd like to ask them why? What is it that they did that makes them that <coughs> wonderful? You know, well, it, it always is, comes down to their money. This is an example of what I call the savvy because this the savvy is compromising with the with the unsatisfying reality and, and by accepting it and you get compensation for doing that. Right. The compensation is you feel realistic. See? <laughs> you give up your hope, you give up your expectation of something better, but you get compensated by feeling, well, that's the way things really are. Mm-hmm. And you get to feel superior to those people outside who still have these you know, naive ideas about what this industry should serve people. But to go back to the gravel thing, which I think is, is very interesting, this poses a problem in news. Uh, scholars in news refer to it uh, with this description. They say, the news that oozes is very hard to get into the news system. So something like the, the the public affairs equivalent of that little gravel, right, where mm. something is happening a little bit every day, mm-hmm. but there's no event, there's no report, there's no arrest, there's mm-hmm. no killing, right? Those things, which are as real as events, <laughs> tend to escape the news system. Or when they discover them, they, they tend to re- surprises. Well, yeah, yeah that, when that, they aren't. There's this great story running, uh, you know, around through the tech press. Every three weeks, they report that RSS is dead. Yes, and um, <laughs> and it just fades away, and then you know RSS keeps going. And they have the story today, and it's about uh, 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 near as I can tell, the story is about Twitter's RSS feeds not working properly, and. I've known about that for months, mm-hmm. you know? It wasn't news. You know, today it was not news. It, some, at some point, if you were watching, it was news. Right. But nobody cares about it, so it never became news. So news that oozes, yeah. when it does finally get recognized by the news system, it tends to have an arbitrary Yeah, signifier. why today? Why is yeah. it happening? Why is this That's what I mean a by story arbitrary. today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not a story today. But you know? if there was a way to get news that oozes into the new system more effectively that would self be an advance right. in in a rebooted system of news um let's go on you you wrote a really interesting post this week short but i thought effective called um journalist or not that's the wrong question mm-hmm. what motivated you to write this something that you wrote I mean, it was, uh, um, 
because be, why did I write it now? Because the tech industry is going through one of its uh, tech journalists is going through one of its uh, you know they're looking at the lint in their belly buttons and trying to decide who's in and who's out, who's mm-hmm. in the club and who's not. And you know, as I think you've observed, you know, Kara Swisher uh, sort of says that she's in and Arrington's not, and doesn't offer any explanation of why or what that means. Right. Um, she said on Twitter that Mike Arrington is in no way a journalist. Right. And um, Which I pointed out. I thought Mike Arrington's piece was right on the money, actually. Um, you know, he's right. And journalists, you know, have all kinds of ways of telling you what they think of people uh, without violating any of the canons of journalism. They mm-hmm. can describe a CEO as, uh, you know earnest and forthright I don't know that wasn't the words they used but he gave a great example of it I don't remember exactly the words that he was using um, you know I have it like for example the Times wrote a profile of me in 2000 I think it was where they called me an irascible gadfly <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean there are a lot of things you could call me and they chose that and, uh-huh. uh, and then what tells me more of, doesn't say much about me and people who really know me don't think of me as being that. Well, you adjectives know? are very powerful in that way because they right. try to. But they're telling me how protean. I. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was right in the first sentence of yeah. the piece, and you know, and after you're reading, you know, that thing about somebody will be irascible. How much more do you think? The tech you, industry. Right. What do you liner. expect? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't about. Yeah. Whatever. You know, <laughs> uh, they don't say that about Mark Zuckerberg. You know, because for whatever reason, you know, they, they need to ha- they need to like him. You know, um, so I, often, I often feel like I'm I'm am used by to the extent that I ever get ink. I'm just used to prove that they're balanced. So I'm the guy <laughs> that takes trash because they have to trash somebody and I don't buy ads. So I'm easy to go after. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I Maybe mean, you should start buying some ads. Well, I did. I used to buy ads. And yeah. when I was buying ads, I was really popular. <laughs> <laughs> well, if who's a journalist is not the right, oh, well, the question, right question, what is the right question? Well, the right question is who's going to, um, who has an, uh, well, I said it's whether you're an insider or, or you're a user. And, um, you know, it's what we were talking about before. It's, uh, you know, are you, um, which end of the pipe are you at? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, all of these people Kara and Mike Arrington and Robert Scoble and Walt Mossberg, Walt Mossberg and Om Malik and all, every one of them are insiders and they all behave like insiders and they 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 all know that there are things they can't write about and they things they can't you know places they just can't go uh, and stay keep doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's fundamentally different from what a user who you know doesn't have any you know nobody cares what they write you know Mm. or or not at the level that they can be hurt for saying you know mark zuckerberg looks like a guy who you know what's the truth about mark zuckerberg the truth well i can give you a little truth that you're never going to read is that mark zuckerberg what does mark zuckerberg care about and what doesn't he care about well he doesn't really care about users i think that's pretty clear I think he cares about them in the aggregate. In other words, he's counting the number of users he has. Any individual user is expendable in Mark Zuckerberg's mind. Now, there are other people who could look at the situation and would come to a different conclusion. Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, 
the U.S. Constitution comes to a different conclusion. It doesn't say we're trying in the aggregate to serve the most users we possibly can. No, it says individuals have rights against the, 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 the interests of the masses. Right. right. And so they're all different points of view. They're not going to say, you know, if you're looking for somebody to care about you, Mark Zuckerberg's not the guy, you know. If you, if you think Steve True. Jobs gives a shit about what you think, no, he doesn't care. But you'll never, I mean, and that's, I think that. You think a lot of people have those illusions, though? They have some illusions. You know, uh, the, the whole th- question about, like we were talking about before with the flip, phone, uh, flip uh, camera, right? Mm-hmm. There are stories those guys could write that they don't write. And the questions users have could be answered, but they don't get answered. Mm-hmm. Are, is it that important that they get the answers? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Journalism says it is important that they get the answers. Right? Yeah, it, it, it ought to be the business of every technology journalist to answer the question users have. Yeah, well, we both know that that isn't what happens. Back to your dis- dis- distinction between insiders and outsiders. If we travel back to 2000. And two, 2001, 2002, which is the crucible of the American press's recent performance. The New York Times, Washington Post, PBS, Time, Newsweek, they all failed in that period to detect a phony case for war because they were the insiders. The one organization that did a fairly good job, McClatchy, was the outsiders. And they were outsiders because no one thought they were important enough Mm. to bring them inside the inner circle Mm -hmm. to give them the leaks from the White House chief of staff. So they had nothing to lose. They had nothing to lose. And their idea was, let's go to people in sort of middle management who are getting cut out of the important decisions, who know that there's like a a shadow government operating behind the real government mm-hmm. that Cheney and his henchmen, right, are actually mm-hmm. um, determining what's happening, and that everything that's supposed to be part of the official policymaking process, including the State Department, including the National Security Council, which is supposed to gather views from without for throughout the government and synthesize them reflect competing views of reality, right? That whole process was being subverted and that really dubious intelligence was being funneled in or stovepiped, as the expression goes, Mm -hmm. right? So, and McClatchy found that out because they were the outsiders relative to the rest of the press. And so this can have serious consequences. So being an outsider was more powerful than being an insider. Not only that, mm-hmm. but the outsiders were closer to reality. The the cl- the the tighter you were wired into mm-hmm. the White House, the more diluted your reporting was. Yep, and that's a fact that our press has still never come to grips with, Mm-mm. and it won't because no, I mean the costs I... of of overcoming denial are just too huge for the entire model um, of political journalism. It's yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's a, an important lesson in that, um, that because there would be another approach. Let's go back to tech for a second. Let's go back to Zuckerberg, right? So Zuckerberg is going for massive quantities of users, right? 
it's hundreds a, of millions. Right, and 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 he's not, and he's willing to compromise to get that into the billions. You know, he knows where he has to go to get the numbers really up there, right? You know, yeah. he has to go to China. Yeah, yeah, and he sure. has to go to India. Right, and those two places, and India, I don't think there are big barriers for him getting in there. They speak English. And or large for enough people speak English that it's not a huge barrier, and the government is relatively relaxed about these things. But in China, it's exactly the opposite. So he will make all the compromises he needs to make in order to get into China. And I think people who think that that means nothing about American users of Facebook are really naive. That you know why couldn't China trade Zuckerberg some? Uh, ability to control what's said about China in the United States for in return for access to China. You know, of course they could trade that. And, um, you know, rules across the board. I mean, China, you can expect them, they already have a lot of influence over our lives. And I think you can expect them to have more. Now, there, w- there is another approach possible that I think is actually even more powerful than what Zuckerberg's thinking about doing, which is instead of going for massive quantities of users, Go for highest quality of users, you know. And there, if you want, you know, there have been studies about this, and like on Twitter, you know, there's something like out of however many million users there are on Twitter, there's about twenty thousand people who actually post to Twitter. I think those are the twenty thousand people to get. I think that that and and I think that understanding what makes them tick, and those are your middle managers. Those are the people McClatchy got. In other words, you know, getting access to Cheney is going to get you lies about weapons of mass destruction. Right. But cultivating relationships on a, on a large scale level with the middle level managers is going to correct any of that crap. Right. Right. Because if you've got 20 sources on something and 19 of them say there's no weapons of mass destruction, right. one of them says there are, well, you've got a story right there. Right. right. So I think for intelligence, it's... Um, Especially if you add drop boxes to it. Explain that. Well, if you take the same approach McClatchy had, but you add WikiLeaks and secure ways that they can pass you documents, you're even better off. You know, actually, it's really interesting. Uh, I don't believe anybody's done that yet. No. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's my point. I think it's a great idea. (laughs) Right, because it's, it's both together are a powerful combination. Right. That's why Blork, by the way, you know... I sometimes forget this, but I had to explain this to somebody, I think it was a couple of days ago. It was like, what was the impetus? How did this thing start? You know, and, you know, I've been sort of going on about this for a couple of Well, a of lot days. of it was what happened to WikiLeaks. Exactly. Yeah. That was the We've moment. We've talked about it on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. And we the, said, what else is there to talk about today? <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Nothing else. Nothing. And actually, this is another one of those faucets that's a slow dripper, right? Okay. Is that... It continues to be there's nothing else to talk about except we find distractions and other things to talk about. Um, and uh, But WikiLeaks is about secrets, and Blork is about the opposite. Right. It's about things that are anything but secrets. But it's another end of the pipeline from WikiLeaks because WikiLeaks is the beginning of the process of taking secrets and turning them to anything but secrets. Right. right? But Eventually, the reason the connection the, between them is things that are really secret that are really dangerous you need to have 
the knowledge that there's an alternative way for them to be communicated without going through the insiders, no. without going through the savvy, without expecting these large institutions to do it for What's you. What's the upshot of that? I mean, you have to have people, uh, the talking point memo approach to things? Is that what you're thinking? Well, I'm just saying that you you need both. You need people willing to speak from inside, to leak documents, to tell right. you that what's really going on, and you need a um, notification system, delivery system, that goes around the same powers that are trying to keep things secret. You know, you recall that uh, they failed at being able to build that at WikiLeaks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were relying on systems that proved to be vulnerable. Yeah. Well, no, they couldn't get the volunteers. They couldn't get people outside of, I mean, it did go through Bill Keller, right? Of, of, or the Guardian. Yes, or, that's right. right. For it to really work, it would have to not go through them. Right. Yeah. But they weren't able to do that. Right. But maybe a year from now or maybe a year from then it w- might work. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be WikiLeaks itself. Well, yeah. but, but that's the nature of these things, yeah. you know. Um, that's why I say, you know, people say, you know, RSS doesn't have a, f- a future. I go, well, what is it going to be replaced by exactly? You know, if it's something that in every way is equivalent to RSS, then what's what's a con- what, what's yeah. the difference? Right. Same thing's true with WikiLeaks. You know, if it's sure. not Julian Assange, who, why should anybody care? You know? We shouldn't. And Julian Assange himself probably doesn't even care. If he's smart. He, he said yeah. that. Yeah. He's actually, people don't give him enough credit for this, but, you know, he understands that he's set a process in motion. Yes. You know, he's very cognizant of that kind yeah. of stuff. So, you know. Um, he knows he opened opened a box. It's a coral I, It's a coral reef. It's that same idea again. It's like, yeah. you know, you plant, uh, you, you, you sink a ship in the middle of uh, the ocean um, and you kind of hope some fish start showing up and their predators show up and they... You know, they they die and their corpses rot, and that turns into you know something. Over a hundred years or a thousand years, you end up with a nice, beautiful little ecology. And it's now we're we're now out of time. So uh, this has been rebooting the news number ninety three. Dave, great show. See you next week. Thanks, Jay. Bye.